Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are Positively Different Radio, in the morning, you're with the Double L team Lyle, excuse me <laughs> Lyle and <laughs> Lawson get, get, yep. this, this is what happens when uh, you ha- are having healthy green drinks too soon before you actually go on air. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you feel pumped though? Are you like oh, absolutely. juiced I'm so up? You, you have no idea. My immune system is off the charts right now. Just killing it. Literally. There was, there was an entire blender packed, like packed full, like jammed down packed full of kale in that drink. <laughs> and then another blender full of spinach, and of course, once you blend it, it goes down to a little bit in the bottom. But yeah, that's right. That's a lot of kale and totally spinach. Like if it wasn't blended, it like that fill you up asap. Yeah, dude, you mate. So it I, sounds I like even, you're living your best life. I don't even know what else was in there. It was like this is this is this is me just turning into a rabbit. Literally you know, green things. I, I just want to walk outside right now and burrow in the ground. <laughs> Oh, okay. Is that is that your new life? It's is, my new life. It's my new life. It's just that's all right. Rabbits oh, are cute. Look at the lawn outside. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't it look tasty? It's making me hungry. <laughs> it's, the, it's the new you. Well, hey, you know how I said yesterday I was grateful yes. for life. Mm-hmm. Well, today your life ends. It's yeah, over. that's right. I mean, the the thing is, is that like very soon I won't be grateful for life. Um, probably because I I won't feel very well. But it's it's it today is the day. Today is the day. The second one. The second the second, the second shot. One. The second shot. You're a day late. We reached seventy percent yesterday. What? Well, we still haven't opened yet. So I'm I'm making the seventy percent target. But it yeah, it, I'm just scraping in, just scraping in. Yeah, you it's, know what? You know what the Bible says about not letting your left arm know what your right arm does, right? Yeah, in, in Second Opinions, chapter six. Oh, okay. So definitely something about. I, I can't tell people about. You're back. listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, let's have some positively different news, dude. I read a story this morning that was absolutely, I, I thought, was incredibly fascinating, very wild, and yet positive, something very positive to come out of something very negative. So apparently during the 2019-2020 wildfires here in Australia, the bushfires, 715 million metric tons of carbon and ash went into the atmosphere. Right. And people like understandably like climate scientists and whatnot were estimating that this would be a very negative thing that would drift over to other countries and Mm -hmm. really negatively affect them. And they were like preparing to see, you know, what the results of that would ultimately be. Um, But it turns out... It's it's a little bit like this because it does drift over to other countries. And when we had dust storms back in the day, Mm. a lot of Australia drifted over and landed on New Zealand. And then a lot of our ash drifted over and landed on New Zealand as well. So I think we should just claim New Zealand because it's like half hours now. No, we don't want them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Stay there. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, dude, check this out though. This is wild. So basically, like these, the the results of the bushfire, all of this stuff is like spread overs, particularly onto the ocean. All of this ash, and they're like, what's going to happen? It, well, just from reading this, I realized like the Earth is really cyclical and has systems to deal with this because this has actually led to a massive algae bloom. Oh wow! And in and a bloom in phytoplankton, which is at the bottom of the food like of the food chain That's in right. the ocean, yes, and is causing like growth yes. within 
the ocean in because terms of everything in the ocean food. needs phytoplankton. That's right. In terms That's of food, in terms of plants, everything. Because the ash itself is jam packed with iron. Like it has okay. heaps of iron, and eighty percent of that iron has been absorbed, or of that ash with that iron has been absorbed by these phytoplanktons mm-hmm. that have grown exponentially. So what we need to do for the health of our oceans then is to get all of the you know, the, the Emery Sparks and so forth out of all of our workshops, which is full of, you know, iron and steel and so forth, and <laughs> spread it all over the ocean. Well, I don't think, you know, as a human you eat an, an iron, you have an iron tablet or something if you need iron or an injection. You don't just mm. eat metal. You could. You want to get, like, liver failure or something. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> but yeah, this eat is... Eat some kale. I just ate kale for breakfast. Amen. Eat kale. That's full of... Dude, green leafy vegetables. Chock full of full iron. Full of iron. But dude, yeah, this all this ash is just really... Like, scientists are already seeing signs that, like, the, the oceans are really recovering in a positive way and are taking this really well. Um, and they're yet to see any downsides. Of this. They're not seeing, like, oh, but this specific species died out because it got poisoned by ash like they're just like oh yeah everything's just going really well in the ocean right now so i read that and i was like that is in that's a really positive <laughs> spin-off from a very negative event that we had here in australia yeah, like easily like you know we could say oh yeah like covid's been pretty negative so does this mean that the fishing but will get better in the next couple of years i assume so at because least you'll have all of the little fish that will eat the plankton, the phytoplankton. We have the big plankton that will eat the little plankton, and then the little fish, fish that will eat the big plankton, that's right. and then the big fish eat little fish. That's exactly what they're estimating. They're like, yeah, dude, we're, we're going to see a long... boom in, in fish population because of this. How, yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take before we can go fishing and catch more fish. True. Well, that, like, it's interesting in Australia because like, in, in many different parts, like commercial fish, where commercial fishing and trawling and whatnot has been outlawed, like specifically here in Lake Macquarie, for example. Um, like, I talked to my dad about what it's like to fish or, you know, he tells me because he likes talking about it, uh, what it's like to fish in Lake Macquarie when he was a kid in the 1970s versus now. Yes. Um, and definitely like until they... Um, banned commercial fishing there's been like a huge drop and and he would talk about you know yeah just different areas where it used to be teeming with fish where it isn't now but because they've banned the commercial fishing it's like the numbers are getting back up but here we go it's just oh let's just okay i was about to say let's just set everything on fire that's not a good idea that it's not even that funny of a joke but it seems as though hey if they eat ash and the plankton grows then It'll it'll start booming again. We'll see big. Your dad's going to be happy. He's going to be happy. He's going to be very happy. He's going to be out there at two o'clock in the morning, throwing a lure in and just living his best life, <laughs> <laughs> um, catching some fish. It's hey, tough. in other news, dude, it has happened. It has happened. Someone has come along and solved the biggest problem in the world. Okay. Electric vehicle charging times. No. Now that's that not is, the biggest, that is problem, not the biggest problem in the Sin world. Sin is the biggest problem Amen. in the world. Amen. And, and Jesus that, solved that. A long yes. time ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. I was going to say. 2,000 years ago. It has happened. But we've been talking about electric vehicles and uh, like one of the biggest hesitations that we have towards electric vehicles is lack of range. Yes. And charging time. Yes. Imagine, that, imagine, I mean, fill up a petrol vehicle takes you what, three minutes? Yeah. Imagine if you have to imagine the lineups at the fuel stations if everyone went electrical and you had to be there for half hour. Well, and and that's the thing; it's always been like estimated, like okay, these charging stations you have to wait a half hour to get like sixty percent, and that gives yeah. you enough to yeah. move on. ABB, which is like a pretty 
famous and reputable like battery maker and and whatnot, they have just created an all-in-one electric vehicle charger that will charge any electric vehicle in 15 minutes or less. That's impressive. It puts out 360 kilowatts of, of maximum output. And it's just, according to this, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, like we can just we can just charge anything immediately. And yeah, lithium batteries aren't just going to spontaneously explode well, with the amount you, of electricity. You'd hope in. not. Like, if, you, would hope, you would hope. Yeah, you that's right. Well, okay, hope. you know, and that's I think that's the thought, right? And I feel like in the past it's definitely been, you know, when anything goes electrical, there's that you run that risk of because the batteries are pretty volatile if they get exposed to less than ideal conditions. But what am I talking about? I don't know, like Teslas and Fords and, you know, well-made stuff. And this is saying, oh, yeah, we can charge them in 15 minutes. And this is like ABB isn't just like some startup from, you know, um, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Funny. Because um, <laughs> it wouldn't exist. Uh, but anyways, yeah, no, ABB is like a legit company that's been testing with these manufacturers, like that has received dev, you know, dev kits from the manufacturers of vehicles and whatnot too test their products mm-hmm. and they're like yeah like this new charger they call it the terra 360 and instead of uh, maybe a half an hour wait at the at the servo to charge 60 percent, you wait 15 minutes or less for any electric vehicle and you'll be out of there in less than 15 minutes it's like oh yeah you know you could pull up at the servo plug your car in also it's super efficient in space as well they they've like set it up like a bowser like a fuel bowser where it's like got um, four like pumps on each side of like one specific charging station. So yeah, eight, eight vehicles at once, kind of thing. Yeah, and so cool. you can just like plug it in, go in, have you know, eat a sandwich, go to the toilet, you know, buy some snacks for the road, and come out. And, oh, it's been ten, fifteen minutes. My car's fully charged. I'm going to keep driving down the freeway. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's turn to some more serious stories. Let's talk about Facebook. We promised we'd talk about Facebook. These guys are going to be in the news because they are just corrupt to the core. And a lot of that has been exposed by uh, the whistleblower over there in the United States who's released a massive amount of documents to the media. And the media is gradually sifting through it all and finding out uh, what is in there that is actually damaging. So here's a couple of uh, Instagram account names. Um, I have to be thin eternally starved, I want to be perfect, sweet skinny, prettily skinny, want to be skinny. So these are pretty dangerous kinds of uh, Instagram accounts for particularly young teenage girls Mm. uh, who, you know, are prone to eating disorders, their body is changing, they're going through puberty and so forth and they have a whole bunch of insecurity happening and you know this is there's nothing new about that but now what they've found is that you know these kinds of sites are having a massive negative impact on on teenage girls and they found that of course uh, facebook has known about this for a very very long time now the ones that i just mentioned there you know things like eternally starved these are actual sites that have been promoted to 13 year old girls mm. uh and so basically what happened was that um, Senator Richard um, Blumen, Blumenals, 
Okay. Anyway, whatever. Particularly centered in the United States, he got his staff together and said, "Okay, um, create a Instagram account because you know Instagram wasn't really his thing. Let's create an Instagram account and uh, pretend to be a thirteen-year-old girl." So they created this account and started following some dieting um, and pro eating disorder. Uh, websites, uh, sorry, accounts on Instagram, and instantly the algorithm kicked in, and these were the Instagram accounts that started to be promoted to this supposedly 13-year-old girl, and this is after all of this whistleblowing has happened, and this is after all of this information has come out in relationship to how Facebook has been uh, uh, handling you know, the dealing with information that it's known about for a long time, and so what we've found is that Facebook is not only um, cra- it's not only is it not cracking down on these kinds of sites, but it's actively promoting them. Mm. You think about this for a moment. If you can write an algorithm that detects, okay, this is a thirteen-year-old girl, she has an eating disorder, so I can, I will promote to her eating disorder sites. Yeah. Okay, so you've identified the age and the gender and the issue that this girl has, right? If you can ha- if you can promote if you can write an algorithm that can see all of those things, which can't be that difficult in today's day and age. Then how hard would it be to start flooding that account with healthy health promoting material mm. rather than health destroying material. I think it's interesting here because like my mind goes to oh but you know the the algorithm is pretty automatic there's so many users how can you control everything that a person sees when the algorithm just suggests content that's similar but at the same time we know that the algorithm has um, the potential like you can program into it the potential to understand you know yes. what the content is that it's it's promoting because it understands it, the content that the person wants. Yeah. So why can't it understand the content that the person needs? But that's the thing. It's like if someone is is viewing um, pro anorexia and content, um, they have the ability to write into the algorithm just like they do with like conspiracy theories, just like they do yes. with with all kinds of yes. things. How they it automatically puts those labels to say, oh, you know, this might have misinformation or whatever. It's not fact checked. You could blah, blah, blah. easily do the same, extending to like accounts that use language that is pro anorexic. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, well, if the algorithm goes too far and too hard, that's the thing. It puts those it puts those warnings up, and then you as an account can appeal that and say, oh, no, like that's not what this is about, and then you can go case-by-case case basis and then hone the algorithm from there. But they haven't attempted to do, do that at all. It just seems as they've gone like, oh, yeah, these, these different issues and problems, it's just free reign, you know. Yeah, it's bizarre. And, you know, it's like a friend of mine who was like, well, I'm going to have, you know, social media and I'm going to train my social media account that I don't want to see, you know, bikini babes and porn and all that kind of stuff. And so the account had identified his age as a young man Mm -hmm. and his gender. And so it was just bombarding him with all of this kind of stuff. So he started to, you know, change the algorithm by his use so that it wouldn't bombard him with all that kind of stuff. And then it just started bombarding him with gay stuff. Like, oh, are you serious? Absolutely. The the algorithm figured out it is not into uh, he's not into chicks. He's he's, he's not looking at uh, you know bikini sites. So he's just started to get bombarded with all kinds of homosexual sites. You know, it's that just, is the most gnarly thing uh-huh, I've uh-huh. ever heard. Yep, that is wild. 
Anyway, and that's how it works. And so what this does is it works around, you know, and, and, and they found that in this particular case what happened was that Facebook continued to bombard this account with more and more and more and more extreme uh, you know, dieting pl- platforms and harmful platforms and just got worse and worse and worse and worse the longer it went mm. rather than getting better and better and better. And how hard can that be? All right, this is a very serious story coming out of Western Australia where a young child has been taken from her parents. So basically, you know, she was a normal girl until that she announced one day that she is trans, uh, which is pretty much the latest fad amongst young girls uh, and has become a social contagion. Uh, particularly amongst teen girls, and the parents decided that they would explore all of the options that they had available. And because they decided to explore all options, Doc stepped in and removed the child from them. Because, well, in today's woke society, there is only one option that you are allowed to choose, and that, of course, is transitioning, and which permanently damages the child. Mm. Now, they were looking at all options because they recognised that somewhere between 70 and 90% of teen girls who transition later regret that in life, but the damage has already been done and that damage is permanent and can't be reversed and it pretty much destroys their life. And so they didn't want to see this happen to their daughter and so uh, then so, so they uh, said, well, you know, let's look at what other options there are available here. Um, Department of Community Services came in and took their child away because of that, they challenged that in the children's court uh, where they lost. They appealed it to the Supreme Court. Um, both courts assumed that everything that the child said was true and nothing that the parents said was true, uh, which is you know an interesting precedent. They And this is after they never, ever fact-checked anything that the child said. Mm. It's just like anything the child says, automatically true. Anything the parents say, automatically not true. Uh, the doc's lawyer says that the parents had used words that were derogatory and abusive, but those words were never actually used. They were never actually, they never actually said, well, the parents said this or the parents said that. They never said what the parents had actually said. And the mm. court was like, oh, you know, the parents are being dangerous to this particular child. And so, uh, we need to get this child out of there and take this child away from the parents. And so they're lost in the Supreme Court as well. So those words were never devolved. They were never challenged. Um, it was always assumed that the hunt, the child was 100% true and the, the parents were 100% liars. And uh, the judgment was that transition is the only treatment uh, to protect a child from harm. And this is after, you know, we've got some very, very solid research from, you know, countries, you know, the very woke, like, you know, places like Sweden and so forth, that have shown that, you know, people who transition have a 19 times higher suicide mm-hmm. rate than the general population. Wow. You know, so we're dealing with much, much bigger issues right here, and there is a tremendous amount of research that needs to go into this um, this whole situation, particularly the the, uh, the, the 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 social contagion that we have amongst teen girls right now when it comes to transitioning. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right. Uh, well, as, as you just said, joining us on the phone right now is Dr. John Ashton. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Hello. Yeah, hi. Morning. Morning, John. John, what are we talking about this morning? Well, I was uh, thinking about this, and I know one of the um, questions that people often have is, um, 
how can the universe and the, the stars and the sun and the moon have been created on day four? How can the universe be, um, you know, only thousands of years old? We talk about the universe being, you know, billions of years old and the, the Big Bang Theory and, um, you know, all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought this is something that, um, you know, people might be, uh, listeners might be interested in uh, some of the evidence that we have for uh, a young universe. Absolutely. I'm very interested to hear what you've got to say on this one, John. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's um, I- interesting that uh, a couple of months ago the – um, Australian government asked for review of the um, current um, or of the proposed new science syllabus uh, for students across this Australia, especially year ten. Well, you know, high school students and the year ten syllabus uh, has a statement there that um, you know students are required to understand the uh, the evidence for the Big Bang theory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and this is taught in, in science classes, and it's, it's quite interesting that the Big Bang Theory actually isn't classified as science, as a scientific theory. And this is something, again, that people don't uh, realise, and the reason is that the Big Bang Theory is underpinned by what we call inflation theory, and inflation theory can't be... Um, falsified. In other words, there's no way of doing an experiment to prove whether or not inflation occurred, uh, which allowed for the expansion of the universe. And so, technically speaking, the Big Bang Theory shouldn't be taught in, in science classes, or if it is, they should be able to teach uh, creation as well. And it's uh, quite interesting, a couple of years ago, um, in Scientific American, um, an article was published, Pop Goes the Universe. Um, that was its title. And the authors were a professor of astronomy from Harvard University and uh, another professor of astronomy from uh, Princeton University in the United States. And they pointed this out. They pointed out that um, the, uh, the evidence for the Big Bang, uh, the so-called evidence for the Big Bang, um, is contrived is totally contrived. In other words, uh, the evidence that's been put up is evidence that has been put there and all the the Big Bang Theory um, the parameters that control the Big Bang Theory have been adjusted to make it fit the observations rather than have a theory and then look for um, the evidence that the theory works. And then in actual fact to date, None of the predictions of the Big Bang Theory had been actually verified experimentally. When astronomers look out there, they don't see what the Big Bang Theory predicts. And this is, this is uh, you know, quite, it's really, um, you know, quite fascinating because this isn't really made aware to the general public. And, of course, when that article came out in Scientific American, a lot of scientists objected to it and said, you know, oh, look, there's thousands of papers that have been published on the Big Bang Theory. Uh, but as a number of reviewers uh, pointed out, you know, the fact that there are all these papers have been published doesn't actually prove the theory if there's actually no evidence uh, that the theory actually works. 
So this is, um, you know, quite astounding. On the other hand, we have evidence that the universe is very young and, and perhaps um, I could run through some of these. For example, there's evidence that we observed that there's been recent volcanic activity on the moon. And, uh, but, of course, the moon is supposed to have vast age and so it should have long, cooled a long ago if it were really billions of years old and um, we shouldn't have that activity there. So this is, again, something that the moon is relatively young. One of the very strong evidences for the young um, universe and solar system is that Uranus and Neptune still have uh, quite uh, detectable magnetic fields. And yet again, uh, when we look at the size of these planets and so forth, um, the magnetic fields on those planets should have died away years ago. And it's very interesting that a, a physicist by the name of uh, Russell uh, Humphreys um, that worked in the area of uh, nuclear physics, uh, he, um, um, uh, Dr. Russell Humphreys, he uh, is a creationist, a young Earth creationist, and assuming a solar system age of only thousands of years accurately predicted the strengths of the magnetic fields of Uranus and Neptune before they were measured. So that was pretty exciting. So here we have, whereas the Big Bang Theory hasn't been able to produce um, results that match the observed, when we look at creation and a young age for the universe, we can do calculations and find that they fit. Um, another example would be, um, for example, Titan, which is uh, Saturn's largest moon. It has an atmosphere of methane. Um, but yet, really, because of the UV radiation, which breaks down methane in the upper atmosphere, um, it should have disappeared again in only thousands of years, and yet it's there. Um, and so, um, and uh, when it breaks down, breaks down to ethane, and of course they haven't detected the large quantities of ethane there either. So again, these are evidence that these planets are, are quite young. When we look at um, the universe, for example, um, when um, some of the dwarf stars in um, the galaxies in what are called the local group are actually moving away from each other at quite tremendous speeds in the order of 10 to 12 kilometres per second. And again, at these speeds, the stars should have dispersed in 100 million years, um, which is uh, a lot less than the supposed 14 billion year age of the universe. So there's... Um, uh, again, when we look at the speeds of the rotations of the galaxies and how they're moving apart, the, the spiral structures should be lost on the basis of calculation in less than 200 million years. So here we have, when we look at these structures, um, we find so much evidence for a young universe. And that matter of fact, there's been a, a couple of... Um, very good uh, documentaries produced on, on this and, and some of the listeners may have uh, heard of them and you can actually watch them free on the internet if you just Google them. Um, one of them is called Our Created 
solar system. So if you Google that, it's fairly easy to remember. Our our created uh, solar system, um, the subtitle is What You Aren't Being Told About Astronomy. Um, it's by a... Um, produced by a former engineer at the United States Military Space Program, Spike uh, Saris. Uh, so it's Spike, S-P-I-K-E. And Saris is spelt with a silent P, P-S-A-R-R-I-S. But if you just Google our created, uh, our created solar system um, and then hit... Um, videos and, and scroll down, you'll come to it where you can, can watch it. There's a couple of volumes. And he goes through just so much evidence about the properties of the uh, stars, uh, sorry, of the planets in our solar system that point to the fact that they must have been created. Like some of the planets uh, rotate um, in, a, in a particular direction, and yet, of course, Uranus, I think it's Uranus, rotates in the opposite direction um, and um, on a different plane. And so, again, if we had the old spiral, um, you know, spin-off gas molecule, uh, gas uh, theory for the origin of the universe, it, it doesn't fit. Um, one of the, you know, classic, easily observed examples is that the planets, as they rotate around the sun, uh, rotate on an axis that is quite um, that is not in line with the axis of rotation of the sun. So um, you know this is a classic example, which is a major problem for trying to come up with some theory of the origin of the solar system. So um, when we look at actually what we observe, the, there's overwhelming evidence that the structures in the universe must have been created. And the other thing that I've noticed for a long time is that when we look at the behaviour of things that are happening out in outer space, like the you know explosion of stars and all this sort of thing, it seems to be happening on our time scale as if it was designed for us to be observing it. And I find that quite fascinating. Mm. Mm, John, amazing stuff that you've got right there. Now, you mentioned that um, Uranus is spinning the wrong direction, uh, that it spins the opposite direction to all yeah, the other I'm planets. Sure, Uranus, yeah, I'm just running from memory now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I okay. Guess, yeah. um, is, there yeah. a, is, there, is there a reason why one of the planets spins the opposite direction? Is there a purpose behind it? Or is this just a, simply a situation of God wanting to have a little bit of fun and, you know, mess with scientists and say, hey, try and figure this one out if you can? Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's the latter. I haven't ever read of any, you know, sort of reason why that needs to be in order to sort of balance things out or anything like that. No, it's just the way it's just the way it's made. There's, a, you know, a lot of really fascinating uh, properties um, that again point to the, the young age, such as the, the thickness and size of the dust particles that, uh, or the particles that orbit around Saturn, Saturn's rings. You know, there's so many things that again point to um, a young age for our, our solar system. Um, and so, you know, I think this can give us a lot of confidence in the uh, the Bible account 
that's there. And we know in the last days, you know, people are going to mock, um, you know, the you know these concepts and and laugh and this sort of thing. But I think it's interesting how more and more scientists um, uh, are recognising this, sort of like um, the example that I gave you with that article pop, you know, goes the universe sort of thing. The article in Scientific American, I think it was in. Um, um, Scientific American in, in 2017. Um, it's quite, um, yes, it was uh, Scientific American February um, in uh, 2017. And it was called Pop Goes the Universe. Yes. So, mm, again, as I said, this is. Um, more and more scientists are coming out and saying, "Hey, we need to question this." And one of the article, one of the things that the article points out is that when, uh, the origin, for example, of the the Big Bang theory um, is based on uh, back. Um, you know, they detected this microwave radiation um, out in space, and they've sent satellites up. And apparently back in uh, about 2013, when uh, the Planck uh, satellite, the European Space Agency satellite called Planck came back and there was a big public um, announcement of the, um, the findings of the satellite and they said, look, um, you know, the findings, we've measured this accurately, microwave background radiation, this confirms the Big Bang Theory. And what these scientists, uh, professors pointed out and said, well, hang on, that's what the uh, journalists were told. That was what was all in the newspapers. But in actual fact, it, it didn't confirm anything. <laughs> uh, and the, the background radiations they measure actually just corresponds to the black body radiation from starlight. So uh, th this is one of the things that's happening is that in our education system, we've got uh, the... Students and uh, are being taught what scientists want to believe rather than what they're observing. And this is atheistic science. So scientists want to keep God out of the picture. And I think what I want to try and reassure listeners is that as we look into it, more and more evidence is pointing to God, a creator, and that the biblical account makes so much sense and fits the data. Mm, Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Fascinating discussion right there. And just a reminder, uh, if you would like to Google that, uh, that uh, documentary that Dr. John Ashton mentioned, Our Created Solar System, give that one a quick Google. It sounds like it's going to be excellent watching. I'm certainly going to watch it myself. Right now, we need to continue on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.